You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. It's Ugh. draft day. It is happy draft eve, draft day, as I'm so excited I just spilled hot chocolate all over my face. So I'm, I'm in that excitement for it. You know, we finally, after months and months and months and months and months and months of analyzing, we are finally here. We finally can... Take real steps to make this this team better. Well, I mean, that either happened because you're so excited or because we're so exhausted we've become sloppy. I'm I tired, think so. man. I, I like, I'm not going to lie. I'm super excited for the draft because I always am, and I love the draft, and I think it's a lot of fun. It's the best non-sport activity in sports. Um, hmm. But this is the most work I've ever done for it, and I cannot wait for it to be over. I, I can't wait for it to be over because, you know, I – Grump and I, we have, as you know, watching the show and listening to it for years now, you know, we have slightly different perspectives on how we approach, you know, the Giants and the NFL. And And college, for that matter. And college, yeah. I mean, Grump is obviously, he's the, um, he's the guy who gets into the film room, he shuts the door and comes out in seven days and says, these are the great guys to get. I'm the guy who kind of just does the eye test a little more and gives you my opinions on things. So for, to me... But you also watch them grow over the years in the SEC. That's true. That's true. Um, but that's more of like an organic process of like I'm watching, you know, people from Florida, people from the SEC, college football in general, over their, you know, two years and three years of playing and some occasionally four years. But it's kind of organic. It's not just like, okay, I'm going to spend the next three hours watching every snap type of thing. But to me, it's just – it becomes overload and it just gets exhausting. Um you know, I know, you know, the draft itself is great. It's very exciting. Everybody thinks they're going to win the Super Bowl after. And it's great to watch how your team is being built and seeing how your rivals team are being built. But I just personally think there's too much time in between the Super Bowl and the draft. I think that, uh, you know, we have so much. It's good and bad. We have so much more information out there. We have, you know, there's film everywhere, you know. Grump got to go to this this, uh, Senior Bowl and watch with his own two eyes. You know, there's a million great podcasts, you know, not just Giants-specific, but NFL-specific, that there's so much information that just keeps getting assimilated. Not a whole heck of a lot of it's new. It's true. And I think that's kind of the problem is it's just – it's a fascinating, you know, pre-draft season where all this, you know, stories happen, people rise and fall really for no reason. Yeah, a lot of these guys, like the late risers, it's not because they did anything. It's because they weren't a big name going into the draft, and -hmm. people finally got around to watching them because they were on a list somewhere. And they're like, hey, this kid's actually really good. He just plays at, I don't know, Wake Forest. Well, and also, that's why no one knows. I mean, also, if you are a guy who does, you know, multiple versions of mock drafts, you know, version six, version seven, it would take a lot of balls. And I'd actually appreciate it to be like, Mach 6 hasn't changed from 5 and 4. I still think this is the way it's going. It's like Oh, I, yeah, I think editors won't even allow it. <laughs> they won't. They won't. So what happens is because you need to 
you know, if you're doing Mach 6, you're doing Mach 7, you've got to mix things up. And then this is a uh, a lot of the media, especially the old guard media, they're a bunch of sheep. And if one guy decides to move someone up into the top 10, oh, yeah. all of they a sudden, follow. it's news. It's not news that he's reporting this. It's now news. And it's like, you know, and I think someone like Thibodeau is a great example of this, where this draft is last fall. This draft is in January. He's probably a number one or two pick in the draft. Agreed. I think we just have so much time on our hands, and we have to create stories and just boredom that guys fall. I mean, are they really falling on GM's big boards every day, every week? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, what do you think, Rob? Do you think these, like, a GM's big board is pretty much locked in and at a point, what, when is it locked in? you think they're still tinkering tonight or are they all sleeping like babies because they're done just waiting for phone calls for potential trades? No, I mean, I think, I think they're done now. I mean, right. It's, it's draft Eve. They're, they're doing their pre-draft work now, which is like the day of stuff. They're getting ready for trades any anticipating Mm -hmm. any phone calls being ready. If X, Y, and Z scenario was under, you know, that kind of thing. They're, They're, they're ready for the night. Their big board was probably absolutely completed by Sunday, but they were probably only tinkering with the last few guys and maybe moving a guy one slot up or down for the last week, I would say. Yeah, I, uh, so I agree. I think they were mostly done for a while. I think they're spending the week, right, if Team X calls us, you know, yeah. or what What are we valuing our guys? You know, like what, what would we accept in trades and what, you know, how that cadence is going to go. But I, I, I think they're done as well and uh, – you know they're not they're not listening to mock boards and they don't care what CBS Sports has as, as their version 13. They don't care what Mel Kiper's saying. They don't care, unfortunately, what Grump says. Well, I think it's a major mistake, but so be it. But well, we're, if we're, only Jerry Reese listened to me, we wouldn't have had to endure <laughs> Eric Flowers. Yeah. Or Evan Ingram hated that pick as well. Mm-hmm. I, that was that was the one that made me shut off the TV. Where were you with the with the Daniel Jones pick? I forget. How did I feel about it? Yeah. I remember the text I sent you right away. It was, it was, oh boy. And that was more, I, I knew what the fan reaction was Yeah, that's be. what's the backlash. Uh, I, I mean, I wasn't thrilled about it either, especially with Josh Allen on the board. You know, we needed an edge, we always need an edge rusher. Um, so, I mean, that was, it, it was more about that than the Daniel Jones pick itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, it was just one of those things where I was more anticipating an avalanche of just giants rage and i actually didn't even imagine it would be as bad as it was which was steam that that rolled over all the way into him throwing out the first pitch at yankee stadium and getting booed yeah Uh, you know i really didn't expect it to be like that that was a little ridiculous um yeah um my saquon barkley reaction i mean i don't i'm not you're not going to see this from either one of us any predetermined draft reaction video where i'm breaking my hundreds of dollars worth of technology for the likes and the lulls. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Um, The Barkley pick was one of the ones that made me really mad, and uh, I remember just rotating in my chair and chugging a beer. That was my reaction to that. Um, The Evan Ingram one made me turn off the TV, Uh, although we were picking like 30th or something. We we were picking uh, like in the late 20s, so it was mostly over at that point anyway. And Eric well, like, Flowers, I was with you at the bar, and I wanted to fucking hang myself. That's right. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I was pissed. So let's uh, let's kind of work kind of backwards a little bit. Like, what is the one thing you don't want to see happen tomorrow? 
I think there's a number of things I don't want to see happen tomorrow. Uh, one of them is taking a quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I truly try I, – I mean, I went into this with, with feelings about Malik Willis before I ever watched him, but they were not only confirmed, but they were worse than I feared when I did the work on him. Uh, and it's, it's just – if you're taking Malik Willis, it's almost a Hail Mary on upside. He is very, very raw. And uh, – mm-hmm. I, I'm not as worried about that, though. I don't think Joe Shane is going to attach himself to a quarterback in year one, especially with these QBs. I just don't think he's going to do it. Um, you, had, you had mentioned something several weeks back that uh, taking a quarterback, not taking a quarterback, rather, pauses when the, the clock is on for you, correct. when you're really getting, you know, like this is like a, this is a past year. I mean, for everything that's happened in the past decade and you know they're here and they're reassessing they're really going to get a pass for whatever they do this year and i think if you you take a quarterback whether it's at you know one of the two picks we have now or if we trade down to 25 and take one there you're kind of resetting that clock and you're starting to put the giants on the clock and joe shane well, on the clock. well yeah so what you're doing then is you're putting a clock on joe shane right um, um you know the rebuild itself is starting now, right? I mean, they've pretty much dumpster filed I'm everything. Talking about, I'm talking about when the period of getting a pass versus, okay, it's on you right now. Right, and I think, and that, I think that clock starts the moment you take a quarterback. Correct. Um, I'm not really fearing that one. I would say I would be pretty pissed off if they went safety with one of the really high picks. Um, I mean, if they end up in the late half of the first round, and we'll get into all this stuff in, in a little bit, but... I would be really pissed if they if they wound up with a safety really high. I don't think that there's a safety good enough to be picked really high. That includes Kyle Hamilton. Um, as bad of a need as it is, I just it, it's it seems to be a waste when there are serious serious needs other places. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I don't know, man. <laughs> my biggest thing would be the only thing I could you know I don't think a quarterback is realistic, so I'm not really considering right. that even happening. You know. A running back, obviously, not things like that would be silly. We got to come away with one of these two picks with an offensive lineman. We have to come up with a right tackle. If we, if there's something happens where we get an edge and then we trade down, I'm going to be pretty disappointed because to me, again, besides what has to happen on the field of rebuilding this offensive line, it sends a signal that we are going to stop kicking the can down the road. Sure. And we're serious about. You know, we're serious about giving Daniel Jones a chance. We're serious about revamping this offense. We're serious about building the offensive line. And I, you know, the difference between, you know, if where we're drafting for getting an elite edge rusher and getting a, a, a very good to elite right tackle is very small. And if that siren call of the edge rusher just overwhelms them, and you know, we'll talk about Thibodeau in a minute. But if you know somebody we don't expect drops down to you know, to one of our picks and we don't take an offensive lineman and then we get an opportunity to trade down, even if for a first round pick next year, I'm going to be pretty upset. And that's, and that's not saying, you know, oh my God, I have no confidence in this uh, regime or anything, nothing ridiculous like that. But I'm going to be very upset that we are not handling the biggest problem we have with this team. So yeah, I would agree with that. Get it done. Um, we're going to get into what we feel they need to do night one. But first, let's let's jump into those rumors here. So I was listening to the Clapback Sports today, Wednesday, uh, mm-hmm. while we're recording this. 
at work today and they had Chad Forbes on who said very, very confidently and nonchalantly when they mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau, he just very quickly said, Kayvon Thibodeau was off their board. And then repeated it, I have it on good authority that Kayvon Thibodeau is not on the Giants' big board. Um, he, he highlighted some personality issues plus some on-the-field stuff. Uh, they just feel like they need to get their shit right. They need to get their culture right, and they don't want any me or I guys there. This is as being told by Chad Forbes. I'm not saying one way or another. Uh, what I will say about Kayvon Thibodeau is I think that his abilities might be a little overblown. I'm thinking that Thibodeau, to me, and I'm not good at this, so you know, whatever, but he looks to me like what JPP was like at best. And that's that's not a bad thing, but I don't I don't think Kayvon Thibodeau is going to be JJ Watt in the NFL. Um, I don't think he's that all-world. I think he's the alpha edge guy for sure, the same way JPP is. But also, JPP was a little up and down, and also needed other help around him to be successful. We we talked at length. Uh, oh, did the show exist before he blew up his hand? I don't think so. No, no, no. Well, okay, you and I talked at length about what we were even going to do about JPP's contract and what, what you know, before he blew up his hand. It, I mean, a lot of the argument was that he had one really good year and the rest was just kind of whatever. Right. I kind of think that Kayvon Thibodeau is going to have a lot of years where he's like somewhere between six and eight sacks. And then, you know, he'll mm. have a year or two where he's got 12 and a half and 10 or something. And it's going to be sprinkled around. I don't think they're going to be back to back. That's just what I think. I, I would love Thibodeau on this team. Don't don't try and take this any other way. I'm just saying, I'm trying to set the expectations here. This, this draft isn't really that great at the top. Um, so I'll start with that. What do you think about Thibodeau potentially being entirely off of the Giants' board? I don't buy it. You don't buy it? Okay. I don't. I, I think it's... I My sense of that, that's smoke. Okay. I mean, first of all, nobody should be off the Giants' board. Fair enough. N- nobody. I mean, um, you may have him a little lower than you might have some other guys you're considering, both at the position and in your overall board. But to be not on the board, that seems to be a disservice to your team. Okay. I mean, what are the real issues that people have with Kayvon Thibodeau? It's not that he has a, you know, a criminal record. Nope. Not it's not that a guy that, uh, you know, is an issue in the locker room, an issue with coaches. It sounds like it's an issue of a guy wanting to be, you know, what basically almost every modern athlete wants to be today. Hmm. They want to be businessmen. They want to be brands. They want to be set up for life after set up for life after. And, you know, this is the same organization that, you know, I'm told that they really want to keep Saquon Barkley to be the face of this franchise. Face of this franchise to me means that's the guy you're marketing. That's yeah. the guy you want on all the ads. That's the guy that, you know, and, and also two-way street. He wants to be that guy as well. Oh, 100%. He's got so, the SB so, earring and all that. Right. So earring. why is it okay if we have guys like Saquon Barkley and even guys like, uh, you know, Odell Beckham? I mean, they did not trade Odell Beckham because he wanted to be a brand. No, that was not They why. traded Odell Beckham because of the issues they were just having with him. Well, quite frankly, yeah. they couldn't control him. They they, quite, I mean, let, let's be honest. He could do something tomorrow and they would have no idea it was coming. I don't mm-hmm. think they really knew about that Lil Wayne interview. <laughs> like, I'm pretty positive they didn't. Yeah. 
Um, so here's what I'll say, because I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, uh, to highlight their issues is that they, they are trying to obtain football players that, uh, quote, love the game of football. Um, and that means, like, they don't want to be drafting guys that are like Kadarius Tony, where they might have questions about how much they like football versus other things in their life, like music or, or whatever. Now, that's not a knock on them for being bad people. It's just what they're targeting. Again, this is a report. I, I'm not saying Let me any ask of this. you something, though. Do you think wide receiver is just a different type of football player altogether than, you know, an edge rusher? No, I mean, I think I, I mean yes. I think I, mean, think, but think I think wide it. receiver is an extreme version of the same kind of player. I mean, I, I think there are, you know, the same thing with corners, uh, corners and wide receivers. They tend to be very much in the spotlight as part. But that's not of what their, I meant. Yeah. I mean, you have to. If you're a an edge guy, you have to spend, I'm sure, more time in the gym than a receiver does. You have to spend more time getting yourself in condition than I, I think than some of these outside guys have to, you know, you have to understand the, the defensive playbook and especially to me, it just seems like a harder position to play where you have to, to do all the things you have to do from January to September takes more effort, more work that you have to want to do than a receiver who, you know, seems to me like you can kind of just be a Kadarius Tony you know, and just kind of show up and be effective. You know. can't just show up if you're Dibido on game day and expect to be the the dominating presence that he is or someone like him is. So I, I, I don't know where that comes from. This not loving the game. It, it sounds like it's a narrative that just keeps growing. I, I, you know, I don't know. When I hear stuff like that, I think people kind of put two and two together and think that equals four. And is it really the case? I don't know. Um, and I also can't speak to what you were saying about conditioning and, and work at the I, 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 I legitimately don't know the answer to that. It could be, might not be. I, I don't it know. may or may not be, but it just seems to me like that's – it takes more work as you have to – you know. You're, well, I, I think it depends, right? You, I think you're comparing two different things. I don't think Kadarius Tony is looked at as an alpha wide receiver the same way Kayvon Thibodeau is looked at as an alpha edge where, mm-hmm. you know – Kadarius Tony, maybe he's the kind of wide receiver you can say, just go out there and, and be a wide receiver. Just play. Just run. Be crazy. You know what I mean? There are edge rushers that you say, like, forget everything, just hit the quarterback. You know, that's pretty ironic I don't think that's that. Thibodeau. It's you funny know? you say it about it. If that's the case of Kadarius Tony, then why do we care if he's in OTAs in April? <laughs> right? <laughs> if he just tells well, you basically. I, I, you know, that, that's because yeah. that's the the... the the guy you picked for the, the right. comp. I, I'm just saying, like, there are wide receivers that are probably like that. That, but, but the alpha wide receivers, the ones that you know, the the Julio Jones of the world, I think they are probably. I mean, I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of playbook stuff that goes on. I, I think that might be actually flip flop. Now that I'm thinking about it, the offense. You know, you think back to those Kevin Gilbride days, and you hear that there were three plays called in the huddle, and and. For each play, there's three different routes a receiver could run based on what's called the line of scrimmage, and that's a lot of shit to think about mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in a 30 second, you know, window there. Um, so I, I don't know, but regardless, if this is the case and Thibodeau is off the board for the Giants, and they're sitting there at five with Thibodeau there, and two tackles are on the board, I'm going to start fielding phone calls at five because you know you don't want Tibbs. And if there's two of the tackles that you like there, 
then you know you're guaranteed one of them. So start listening to what you can get for five at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Are you talking about from six or just from... From five, if you, if they're sitting, if the Giants are at five and Thibodeau is on the board, and so is I don't know Aquanu and Charles Cross, right? I and they don't want Tibbs, then I'll just trade five and then pick whichever tackle goes to seven, because I guarantee you. Well, we would have seven. That's my point. So I'd trade five well, for whatever I can get. Let somebody oh, else trade saying. up and right, get right, Thibodeau, right. and then take whatever tackle falls. Uh, I guess the risk there is that someone might trade up for Aquanu or Cross. Um, are those guys you're trading up for? I mean, now we're talking about you know the potentially the well, we might, third, uh, somebody else might. Yeah, this. I mean, if it's for Evan Neal, that's one thing I think. But for these guys, is that really? Are you really going to give up for, at that level, potentially like a first round pick to get one of these two guys? Well, mm-hmm. well, that's going to lead into our next thing here. I, I think that different teams have the the tackles in different orders, and I've I've heard that around from different beat reporters saying that they to- talk to scouts from this team, that team, and the other team, and everyone's got different order for how they grade the tackles. And that's um, fine. Yeah, no, that that is fine. So I mean, yes, it might be the third or fourth tackle on our board. Maybe it won't be. Maybe that's the second tackle on our board, and he's falling. I don't know. The other thing here is. Chad Forbes also said that the Jaguars seem to be split three ways in what they want to do with the first pick. Head coach Doug Peterson wants Iki uh, Aquanu. Ownership wants Aiden Hutchinson. And GM Trent Baalke wants Trayvon Walker. Um, I would say that it's probably leaning less so with tackle and more so with edge rusher. And it's going to come down to ownership and the GM agreeing or mm-hmm. somebody ceding to the other person to just pick um that would be a good thing i i mean i i would want we would want walker to go first because i between me you and everybody listening i i don't think that walker to me is a project and this team has its own project of rebuilding itself they don't need extra projects of building people Mm -hmm. up to be nfl players they need nfl players to build them up so if walker goes first that just moves the chart down for the rest of the guys to the giants agreed agreed 100 that said scott bischoff was on some other show and he (laughs) said that he had info from houston in that they are operating under the assumption that the first three picks will go jaguars take walker lions take Kayvon thibodeau and then that scenario, Houston would take Derek Stingley, which would then leave for the Jets at four a choice between Hutchinson, Gardner, Neal, Aquanu, and Cross, which is a treasure trove for the Giants because no matter who the Jets pick, I would take any of those players. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, especially you could also, Hutchinson. There's you no reason do. Hutchinson should be at five. And then the other thing you could do is you can you know send out feelers for trading at five, sure, yeah. and say all of a sudden your price just went way up, way up because you really don't want to trade that pick, but if someone wants to give you you know a, a first rounder next year, uh, a first rounder the year after, you know the pancake deal, you'd be more enticed to do it. The pancake deal. <laughs> Does that replace the Ricky Williams hyperbole? Oh, it's the pancake deal, motherfucker. The pancake deal. I love it. I love it. All right, let's talk pancake deals. Let's skip <laughs> what they need to do night one, and let's jump right into trade-down scenarios. <laughs> I have been saying 
for a long time now that the Giants absolutely need to come away with a first-round pick in 2023 because they need to be prepared to move up for a quarterback should there be one that they like. And they should keep doing this, acquiring first-round picks in the next year until they find that quarterback. And and quite frankly, if they want to keep doing it after that, that's fine too. But Mm -hmm. they need to have two first-round picks every year until they find the quarterback they like so they can package that shit up. If they need to throw in some future stuff or a third-round pick or whatever with it so they can move all the way up to get him, then get him. Get your guy, always. But have the ammo to do it. That said, they also don't really have the money to pay for two top 10 salaries because the way the salary cap works, these rookie salaries are on a pay scale. So the higher you're drafted, the higher your pay scale. They kind of can't really afford two top 10 picks. So trading down should absolutely be on their radar. And all these scenarios we just said, these rumors that are probably not true and probably won't happen, these rumors, these things, they need to be ready for this stuff in case it does happen so that they can do this stuff. Um, the number, the, the, the two teams that are mostly connected, I would say with the giants trading up would be, uh, the Steelers at 20. And, and this is because the Steelers have nothing at quarterback, uh, following Ben Roethlisberger, right? Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky. Uh, (sighs) that's pretty brutal. The Steelers are picking at 20. So that's a pretty steep drop from seven to 20. That's a long one, but I think you can get a first round pick for that. I mean, the the draft chart that people say doesn't matter but also totally matters. Um, <laughs> they list the Giants at five with seventeen hundred points value, and at seven fifteen hundred points value. At twenty, the Steelers have eight hundred and fifty points. They could throw in their eighty fourth pick, which is a third round pick, with it for another hundred and so uh, one seventy five points, and then kick in a twenty twenty three first. And I would take that deal. Would you take that deal? Of the twentieth, the third, a third round pick, and a first round pick next year. I would because that third round pick is important this year. I mean, sure. Because we are just because we want to punt on the highest of the high pick for next year. We're still in rebuilding mode, serious rebuilding mode. And they that need, third they round need pick, players everywhere. That third round pick should be a you know a starter somewhere. So yeah. the way I see it, if at at twenty you're gonna have guys like Kenyon Green that could be there and could seriously help this O line grow a lot faster. You mm-hmm. could have Elam, Kyir Elam could be there that could mm-hmm. replace James Bradbury day one and play man coverage in a blitz heavy scheme the same way he did at UF. Um, or mm-hmm. or Andrew Booth from Clemson. Just don't also watch that film. Corner. That's all. <laughs> what? I say, just don't watch that film of that trying to happen with that blitz heavy scheme because it did not work. I mean, I, everything you see, like with film with Kyrie Elam, you have to actually give him extra credit because the way that the defensive scheme was so bad and all the pressure it was put on the backside. So hmm. I could see that with your point, though. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, what I'm saying is that there will be starters at positions of need available. Mm-hmm. So, like, I know that saying moving down 13 picks is like you're the one getting fleeced. But not really, man. Uh, I mean, you're still getting a starter at 20. You're getting an additional third-round pick. Yeah. Which could be, that could be another inside linebacker, uh, inside interior offensive lineman. It could be a wide receiver that they desperately will need next year. They will need a wide receiver next year. They kind of need one this year. Yeah, it let's could put be a tight end they need this year. It could be a linebacker. It could be safety. I mean, the, the third round, they could get a starter. You're absolutely right. And also, let's put in perspective, if you're dropping 13 spots, that's not dropping from the first round to the eighth round or something ridiculous. You're dropping still into the, you know, 
people who are drafting late in the first round are still expecting to get starters and quality, quality, quality players. I think 100%. people, they hear 13 spots and they're like, oh my God, you know, we're, we're drafting somebody from the XFL all of a sudden. No, 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 no. <laughs> Calm down. Um, another one is the Saints. They have 16 and 19, uh, but they do not have a first round pick next year. So this one is less enticing to me, which is why I saved it. And who's their quarterback? Well, that's the thing. Who is their quarterback? Jameis Winston and somebody else. They got. They still have Hill, right? Who's they still a... have Taysom Hill. There's somebody else. There's someone else. There's always someone else. It's nobody good though. They need a quarterback. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Bad. He sucks. Yeah, that, that's that's where I'm going with this. Um, right. The Saints need help at quarterback after Drew Brees. Oh, Andy Dalton. Giants. Yeah, they have no game. quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they have no quarterback. And so um, the fact that 16 is worth 1,000 points and 19 is worth 875, which is technically them overspending, if there's a quarterback that they want, that's not overspending at all. Um, So, uh, I mean, while I wouldn't really like that because I'm trying to get a first-rounder next year very, very desperately, uh, if this is all that you can wrangle, I would still strongly consider taking 16 and 19 for seven. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, especially if you already took your tackle at five. At 16 and 19, there could be uh, Nicobe Dean, Devin Lloyd, the, the the tackle from Tulsa that I didn't do any work on, who apparently everyone likes. Whoops, sorry. Uh, again, Andrew Booth, Kair Elam, Daxton Hill, uh, Zion Johnson, Kenyon Green. I mean, the, a lot they, of names. The, all of those guys would start day one and fill a position of need. At 16 and 19. So now you have three first-round picks. Here's the other problem. I don't know if they can afford that. Plus, you're getting three fifth-year options when you do this, which kind of sets Um, you up for a need to figure out extensions earlier than you probably want to. I'm going to pass on the trade. You're going to pass. I'm going to pass because I think your point you made earlier. I'm going into this thing with a very open mind about Daniel Jones. I think I've been very fair about him. I think we both have. Over the uh, the evaluation we've talked about from last year, but I'm also going this with with the assumption in the back of my mind that we need a quarterback next year, and you have to be prepared for that. And I, I you know, getting nice players at 17 and 19 and potential starters is good. It helps with the overall. But if we want to move the needle on this team, we need a quarterback, and we need to be be prepared. Now, if Daniel Jones has a breakout year this year, and we decide to Sign him long term, and we don't have to use that pick next year for a first rounder. All the better. We can use that yeah, for so something then you, else. It's so a big deal. You have two first round picks next year. Sorry. And oh, maybe we then we could start maybe wheeling and dealing for more moves and things. We don't have Absolutely. to have sure. no two hop heavy ones. So I just want to give this team as many options going forward. And all the points you made are very valid. You know we're. We're dealing with cap issues. It's going to be some relief next year, but what happens in four years when all those you know, we have to. We have three first-round picks. We have to have fifth-year options. Pick them up. And they're not going to be cheap. And uh, maybe in five years we screw ourselves again with the. You know, it seems like every GM who comes in here, we by fourth, fifth year, we're dealing with the same cap issues. We hope that's not the problem going forward, but it seems to be a trend. So, let's try to avoid some of that some schematic issues with the cap. You know, but by spreading those those picks out more. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. I, I part of it is I, I really don't know how they would be able to pay three first rounders. But mm. I, I think you find a way. You know, <laughs> I think at that point maybe you're cutting somebody just for 
you know shits and giggles or trading people for peanuts because you're clearing space to but you know that's get a, better every, players. But every team does that every year. I mean, it's yeah, not a giant sure. specific thing that they have to cut somebody they don't want to cut and have a cap. You know, you're casually. Right. Every single team. You just look and look on cut down day and see these guys. You're like, holy shit, really him? Or guys you see in the off season? It's, it's it happens to everybody. It's it's a cost of doing business. Yeah, so I'm right. not too concerned about that. All right, let's get into what we are concerned about. What do they absolutely need to do night one? Get out of tackle. Okay. I have two things. Uh, their number their their number one thing should be to get a tackle. Um, I know that Jordan Renan is out there saying that you don't need to get a right tackle in the first round, and I actually fully agree with that. What I'm telling you is that the tackle class sucks, so he's wrong. I mean, there is no broad strokes phrase that you can do that applies to every single draft other than maybe the draft is unpredictable. Um, So when you say you can get a guy in X round, you're wrong. You are wrong. That is a year-to-year scenario. And and Jordan Renan keeps talking about Luke Gadecki from Central Michigan, who I don't even think projects at tackle. Which is why, yeah, I think he'd be a really good internal offensive lineman. Look, um, it, it boils down to this, Grump. We we said it in the beginning. You know, there's three potential picks we think might be in the top ten that are tackles. We're not going to be in this position, maybe for a long time. Yeah, where we can get somebody of the quality of a top ten player on the offensive line for the cost it would take. I mean, how much did Nate Solder cost us? Too much. Why was he so expensive? He was the only one. On the free agent market. We do right. not want to go that way to build an offensive line. This is our opportunity to build it in the cheapest way possible with also the longest time horizon for it. It's like he doesn't have to produce right now. Let this yeah. guy grow into the role for you know year two and year three when this team around him is getting better and better. So, so to me, it's it's the... If we, again, come out of this draft without five and seven and not having a, uh, an offensive lineman come out of that, I'm going to be very disappointed. And I just, it just screams it has to be done. And if the guy turns into a bust, so be it. I'd rather go through the process and he just doesn't work out than never getting him and always having to play from behind, trying to fill you know, two, three spots on this offensive line for the long term. This way you're solving one of those issues again. Well, well, here's the other thing. Who's more likely to bust? Evan Neal, Akeem Aquanu, Charles Cross, or Bernard Raymond, or, or Daniel Falele? I mean, if we're, if we're talking about potentially busting, I don't think Evan Neal has, is going to bust sooner than Daniel Falele. I mean, come on. Uh, I, I agree with you entirely. You're in this position now to fix a problem that has been a problem for forever. Why mm-hmm. kick it down the road? I mean, Why fuck around? I mean, you have the opportunity to get somebody elite. And again— yeah. The guy who's drafted fourth versus the guy who's drafted tenth, they're still elite. We're talking the best of the best of everybody out there who's eligible to be drafted this year. We're splitting hairs. Also, fuck everything else, man. The NFL is about scoring points. I mean, Mm -hmm. winning games is about scoring the most points. I don't care how good the defense is. If this offense can't protect the quarterback, the quarterback can't score points, then the team is not going to win. At the well, end of the day, whether they fix the line this year, next year, the year after, they're never going to win until the line can protect long enough for the offense to score points. That is the name of the game. 
So the two with, main questions we have on this offense for this year have to be solved are, do we have a franchise quarterback agreed. and what do we do about Saquon Barkley? Agreed. And both of those things are predicated on a line that can protect and block for them. I think the other thing well, – well, here's the thing. If they, if they don't go – if they go through day one and do not get a tackle, here are the names that maybe, maybe could be there on day two. Trevor Penning, Daniel Fulele, Bernard Raymond, and Abraham Lucas. None of them come without question marks, big question marks. Trevor Penning could be getting holding penalties for his entire career until he plays in the USFL. Daniel Fulele may be too overweight. Bernard Raymond came from Austria. He, he didn't even go to high school in the States. Um, and Abraham Lucas is just okay. We're trying to minimize risk. Yeah. Those guys are the, – the odds of them being successful are higher than these other guys on day one. There's more risk on hoping these guys will be successful than the guys from on day one. Why, should, why would you want to do that? I don't in, know. In a position of such importance. Just just because you have a JPP-like edge sitting there or Kayvon Thibodeau or, or because – Sauce Gardner fell to you or, or whatever. I, I'm sorry, man. It's really hard for me to say anyone other than Aiden Hutchinson or some scenario in which I'm guaranteed one of those tackles at seven. It's hard for me to, to, to pass on a tackle. It's just too important and the guys there are too good and the drop-off is too steep to walk away from it. The other thing that I think they absolutely need to do on night one, and I'll be really disappointed if they don't. I'm not exaggerating. They need to trade down. I mean, we just went over it. Uh, I think well, it that's... is a, a bona fide necessity to obtain a first-round pick next year. And but I remember don't know how though, else you can do it. That, remember, though, trading down relies on a partner to make the trade. I understand that. So it's it's not just— I'm, That doesn't mean I'll, I'm just going to be disappointed. I'm not going to blame mm-hmm. anyone for not doing yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that would be, you know, yes, I'd like to be in position for 2023, but I, I am fully under the, well, if we're offered a pile of shit, I don't want to make the deal. Sure. Or that, or it just doesn't happen. There's no nobody to dance with. That being said, if they have to sweeten the pot by throwing James Bradbury in on that deal, that that should absolutely be done. Uh, it shouldn't mm-hmm. be. Uh, it shouldn't be forgotten that James Bradbury is likely going to not be a giant come Saturday night. Would you throw Kadarius in any deal on draft night? No, no way. Not with the dead cap hit he would have pre June one. There Great. is still. I would. I would say there is still a small chance that he is traded post-June 1. But, I mean, all indications to me is that whatever happened with Pat Leonard or whatever, I would just ignore it. <laughs> because because that report broke on Friday and Kadarius Tony was in New York, New Jersey on yeah. Saturday. So, yeah. I'm and just by saying, Friday, I'm, I mean Friday afternoon, that story. I was already home from work. I was just saying as like a sweetener to make a deal happen, would you throw him in? I guess it depends on what I'm returning. I would have to be able to replace the wide receiver that year. That's year. the other thing about so. getting rid of Kadarius Tony is everybody's so quick to throw him out on a rail. It's like who you know, we talked about a room where there's a lot of question marks and people coming back and, you know, other guys who may be traded as well or might be just cut, you know, in the fall. So But I mean it's not I, as easy. I, yeah, no, definitely not easy. Mm-hmm. Um but like I said, I won't blame the organization if they're unable to make a deal, but I will be disappointed in general with the result of night one if they don't come away with a first-round pick next year. I will. And, and to me, the ideal scenario is to still have two first-round picks when you do it, which right. you know I don't know how feasible that is. I, I've never talked to a pancake eater um, 
in, in a high pressure situation. Uh, so, more of a waffle guy myself. The good GMs are waffle guys or French toast, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we may have to have our next mock draft on uh, breakfasts because that could be a long, intense battle. We'll get a. Uh, We'll get Bobby and Justin on that one as well. I'm sure oh, yeah. those guys have opinions. Oh, Snacks has got to be there because I, I guarantee you he's going to be screaming about. Omelets. Well, he's the uh, Mel Kiper Junior breakfast. Like I, I've seen him at work at a diner before. You know. Oh, that's true. I have too. Yeah. Yeah, Justin's opinions might have changed since his diet. Hmm. Um. All right. I'm. Th- that's going to do it for our draft day episode. I am going to be live on talking giants i'm not entirely sure what is happening with that i believe it's just going to be on their youtube channel but they're running through i dude i don't know i think it's going to be there uh follow that or follow me on twitter i'll have more information as we go but i will be live both nights one and two with them i am at football underscore grump on twitter he's at the cranky fan the show is at just giants pod um yeah final thoughts Final, Final thoughts. thoughts. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. This team is going to be better Friday night. It's going to yeah. be even better Saturday night. Um, and then the coming weeks, we'll have we'll have some content with with other creators. We'll discuss the draft and we'll do cut ups of all the brand new New York Giants as well. You you just took the uh, the, the, the bottom line I had. My, you know, as much as you're going to quibble about who we take, do we take this lineman, this lineman? Do we trade down? We didn't trade. At the end of the weekend, we can finally say that this football team will be better than it was right now. And that's the key for this team. they got to get better, significantly better, talent-wise, depth-wise, all of these things. And the easiest way to do that is in the draft. So uh, don't uh, – you know, I hope you guys aren't up too late tonight practicing your pissed off videos and all these type of things and your overreactions and your canned expressions. Just go through the draft, watch the whole first round, see how it plays out. Just because we make a pick doesn't mean it's going to be our pick. Let's see how it plays, and then uh, you know we'll discuss as well about whatever happens. That's right. So stay tuned to this channel for um, not draft reactions, but full actual breakdowns of the players that become New York Giants. Mm-hmm. All right, everyone. We will catch you next time. Go, Go Giants. Giants.